0: Good morning, everyone. Um, I just felt uh, earlier this morning Ruth asked us to take some time and just be quiet um, and be still, and I think for me also to be to be present here um, and not to to feel like we're repeating stuff. But I I think it would be good for us to just take take a short while before we get into um, Preach and the Word, just to just to do that, to to be quiet. Um, I think for me that looks like tucking the things of the week behind, the things of the week ahead, and just putting them at Jesus' feet, saying, "God, I don't want to, I don't want to think about that now. I want to be here. I want to be in Your presence. I want to hear what You have to say. I don't want to be distracted by these things. So just take a." a minute and and be still. Amen, amen. So, just from my side, also say thank you um, for everyone here. Like Ruth said, it's nice to see so many faces in the venue. Um, thank you for the people joining us online. Uh, I know that the difficulties with, with online can many and many of us who are who are online for the whole week, um, yeah, you know, it can be difficult to then go into the weekend as well. So, thank you very much for for making that sacrifice and joining us online. Um, we'll be continuing, as, as Ruth said, in the Origins series, and Luke over from the Citywide um, team, he introduced us with the origins of creation. Um, he gave us a couple of options. He gave us the option of either it is by chance, accident, um, or creation, or it is the multiverse, which is a little bit more complicated to wrap your mind around, but that there are many universes, but in our one, things worked out. And then there was the one of a designer, and he argued that um, this is the one. This is the only one that makes sense. A designer, a creator, an intelligent being who created everything. And for those of us who are Christ followers, Bible-believing Christians, we look to the Bible for... Uh, guidance for these questions, and in Genesis one, we see God creating the heavens and earth, separating the earth and the sky, gathering the waters together so that dry land appears, and then God fills those spaces. He fills the sky with birds, with flying creatures. It says he fills the the the, the, the oceans, the waters. Um, it's, it uses my translation, uses the so that the waters teem with life, so It's full of life. Um, and then the land produces, it says, the land produces living creatures. Which brings us to today's message. Uh, the origins of humanity, of us, um, you and me, every everyone that is considered a human. Where did we come from? Now I'm not talking about the biology of where we came from and how we got conceived. I'm talking about where did it start? Where did we all start. Where did humans begin? And if we look at the progression uh, or the order of events in Genesis one, there's it, it would seem like we are the main event. We see that the spaces get created, then the creatures to fill those spaces get created. And then finally, before God rests, he creates humans. We could have easily been grouped in with the land animals, because in a sense we could say, well, we're we also on the land, so we could have easily been grouped in with land animals. But for some reason, God kept us separate from the land animals. Not only were we made after everything else, uh, we were also the only ones where the Bible says that we were created in the image of God. Now, as Bible-believing Christians, we look to the Scriptures for answers as to our origins, our beginning, our start. And if you are not a believer, you are so welcome here, whether in person or online, and my Request from you would just be to seriously consider the claims made by Scripture. So let's look at Genesis 1 and 2, and we're going to focus on humanity in these sections. Uh, if you have your Bible here, please open to, to Genesis 1. We're going to start in Genesis 1, verse 26 to 29, and then we'll look at Genesis 2, verse 5 to 8, and verse 15 to 17. So Genesis 1, was 26 to 29. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. Verse 27. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Now no shrub had yet appeared on the earth, no plant had yet sprung up. For the Lord God had not sent rain on the earth, and there was no one to work the ground. But streams came up from the earth and watered the whole surface of the ground. Then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, And the man became became a living being. Now the Lord God had planted a garden in the east, in Eden. And there he put the man he had formed. The Lord God made all kinds of trees grow out of the ground, trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. In the middle of the garden were the tree of life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. And the Lord God commanded the man, You are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat from it, you will certainly die. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for this day. Thank you for the amazing privilege, as Juma also said, that we have to meet together, uh, to have praise and worship. Um, Thank you, Lord, for the breath in our lungs. Yeah, thank you that we know that's from you. Thank you that you give us life. My prayer this morning, Lord, is that you would meet us where we are, uh, with all our questions, with all our doubts, with all our weaknesses, with all our insecurities, Lord. Would you, would you take us by the hand, would you lead us with the Holy Spirit, uh, so that we may know you more. In Jesus' name, amen. Cool, so that's just I think just this morning song um, of where God would say the songs so I can't remember the exact reason but God breathes on us breathe on me breath of God and and in that section in in Genesis 2 it's also nice to see that God made this creature but it only became a living being after God breathed on him. So just just a side note. After God put the, um, the breath into his nostrils, the breath of life, and only then did he become a living being. So we will be looking at uh, essentially three things that will help us have a better understanding of the biblical worldview of the origins of humanity. And then f- fourth, we're going to look at the problem. So let's get into it. Um, the first two points are relatively short uh, and in the last the, the the point three and four are a little bit longer, so just so you are aware. <laughs> um, so the options. So essentially, there are two main options of where humans originated. So the first one is that humans are a byproduct, uh, a consequence, if you will, of the Big Bang theory or the, the Big Bang, and by process called natural selection and evolution. Now in summary what this says, I'm not a, a scholar on it, but what this says is that there was in the beginning there was nothing or very, very little uh, in the universe. And somehow this exploded, which set in motion a series of events. And over billions and millions of years, this explosion caused matter to form things, physical matter. And and that's where, over over time, the, the laws of gravity and those laws also got formed out of this explosion. And... One of the things that also formed was living organisms. And then again, over much, much time, these living organisms evolved into other living organisms, other creatures. So evolving from just a clump of of cells into, into fish, for example. I'm skipping, obviously, a lot of things. This is the theory from fish into, into land animals, and then, remember, millions, billions of years eventually evolving into the creatures we see today as well as humans. Um, so I'm just going to give a simple definition of evolution. So evolution, the process by which different kinds of living organisms are believed to have developed from earlier forms during the history of the Earth. And natural selection, which is the key factor in evolution, is the process whereby organisms better adapted to the environment tend to survive and produce more offspring. And that's also how in this theory it is explained that there are fossils of beings um, that aren't here anymore because by natural selection they could not adapt to their environment. And other creatures, such as ourselves, were more adapted to the environment. Now, although these definitions are mainly focused on the processes of where life came from, this theory believes that all life, including humans, evolved out of other life forms, and those life forms came into existence after the Big Bang. So, according to a simplified version, life, and ultimately humans, originated over time after the Big Bang. They were not created And this brings us to our next option. The option that says that humans were, in fact, created. This, in summary, says that there was something or someone, a designer, an intelligent being, that decided to create or put humans here. First setting in place the conditions for life, to be able to survive and then creating humans and putting the humans in those um, conditions. So those are the two main options and there are very many variations in between. Uh, For example, just because someone believes in evolution doesn't mean they don't believe in a creator and vice versa. Um, We have many people who, who do believe in both, and there are much debates between Christians, between people who believe in creative uh, around evolution. Something that, that we can know as an observable fact is that there is something like evolution, which is called, which is called microevolution. Um Like, for example, a, uh, they always use example, birds are quite common in this way, the birds' beaks would either go longer or shorter, or bigger or smaller, dependent on their environment. So there is definitely something like evolution. The big debate is around: is there something like macroevolution, which says that one being uh, can evolve out of another being? So a a, a human can evolve out of a uh, ape or a Land animal can evolve out of a sea creature. But that's not the discussion that we are going to be focusing on today. For the purpose of today, we are going to look at either humans were created or they were not created. So, either humans existed as a result of... uh, explosion or they existed as a result of intelligent design and were created and i would argue that the second one is the only one that really makes sense all around us we see order processes systems seasons day and night things that are not up to us whether it happens or not we don't control whether the sun comes up or doesn't. In our bodies, as we sit here, our bodies are at just the right temperature, hopefully. Otherwise, you wouldn't have been able to come in. Our lungs are functioning without us thinking, I have to take a breath, I have to breathe out. It just happens. Our heart beats at the right rhythm. Something I don't have control over. Our livers, our kidneys. There's so much going on as we sit here inside our bodies. We are reasoning as we sit here. We are considering these questions. Where did life come from? Where did humans come from? Thinking about them. Processing them. I think to assume that all this was as a result of an accident, misses the mark. I find the following two analogies to be helpful for me um, And I actually I read this is, this is I think I re- heard this first one in a song. It says, if you, if you see a book, if you look at the book, many of you are holding a Bible in your hands, you see the book, you see chapters, You see verses, uh, it's well bound up, There's there's sentences that make sense, they have an order. Would you assume that there was an explosion at the printing press or at the library and this book was produced? We won't assume that. We would know without having to know the person who wrote the book that someone wrote the book, that Someone printed a book. That Someone put the pages together. If you see a building, you see bricks on top of bricks, you see windows put at strategic places, doors, pillars, would you assume that there was an explosion at Builders Warehouse? You would not. Without having to know the builder or the architect or the designer, we would know that there was a builder and that there was an architect, and that there was a designer. So we believe that God created, God was the creator, the designer that made a place on earth that has the perfect conditions to sustain life. If you haven't watched um, the first the first uh, Origins with or that Luke Hopper did, um, it's just the odds for life to be able to exist here are staggering. Um, And if you haven't watched it, I really encourage you to go do that. So it's not only the conditions aren't only perfect for life, but also for us, for human life. But is that really what we want to know? Is that what we think of? When we go to work every day, come home, eat, sleep, go to work, come home, look after the kids, everything we have to do, eat, sleep, get up, shower, go. Do we think, walk, and think, how did I get here? I would argue that although we do think of that, that's not the main question. Let me give you the, the following example or analogy. If there was a cake standing here in front with 29 candles on it, as you walk into the church building, you see this big chocolate cake, and the first thing that comes to mind is, oh, how did they make that? No, I just. I don't think we would say that. We would come in and say, say, whose cake is that? Who is it for? Uh, Why is it here? I believe that those would be the primary questions that we would ask. And, And yes, the question of how would come later after I found out that the cake is for Andre and... Ruth made it for him, then I would maybe go to Ruth and say, Oh, wow, that's a nice cake. How did you make it? So we, we kind of have primary questions and secondary questions. And not that one is more important than, than the other, but it comes down to attention. So this brings me to my next point, which I refer to as distractions. Um, many people believe that there is a creator, that there is a being, a designer that was involved in the formation of what we know today as humans. They and probably many of us at a stage in our lives reject or rejected the idea of a creator. We would ask questions like, but how did God make humans out of dust? How am I supposed to believe in God as a creator if I can't explain how he made humans out of dust? How did God make the woman out of a part of the man? It does not make sense to me that a woman can exist out of a part of a man. So I cannot believe in a creator God. How could all we see around us be created in that little time? And I would refer to these as distractions. They're not wrong questions, but I don't think that they are the primary questions. I don't think that that is the answer being, the question being addressed in Genesis. Um, It's believed that Moses wrote uh, the book of Genesis, and I don't think that Moses intended to give us a step-by-step explanation of how. How did each cell put, get put onto each other's cell, each muscle, each ligament? How was it formed? I don't think that it was his intention. His aim was not to answer the question of how humans were created, but rather who created them. This brings me to my next point. Who and why? And if you just listen with me to a, a short recap of Genesis 1, uh, we can see that his intention was not to say how. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. God said, let there be light. God said, let there be a vault between the earth and the heavens. God said... Let the water be gathered to one place and let dry land appear. God said, Let there be light in the sky. God said, Let the water teem with living creatures and birds fly across the vault. God said, Let the land produce living creatures. And then finally, before God rested, God said, Let us make man in our image. These scriptures are very much focused on who. As you see in the recap above in Genesis 1, as well as the emphasis on God in Genesis 2, where we also see phrases like, and God said, and God blessed, and God created, and God made, and God commanded. And God, and God, and God. The who, at least according to these scriptures, is God. He created us in his image. So again, I just want to reiterate that I'm not saying that asking how is wrong. Ask how. But when we look to the scriptures, the first question we're going to ask is who? And that is the main question that Genesis 1 and 2 is trying to address is who and not necessarily how. And that brings us to why. I don't know about you, but I don't often think about how. Have I ever thought of it? Of course I have. I have many of these questions, and I do explore the answers. But much more often, the question that comes up is why. Because I can easily believe that an almighty, all-powerful God God can create humans out of dust if he can create everything we see around us I believe that he can do that but why would he do that why would he need to do that so that's the question I think is the primary question why origins of humanity why Why did God create us? Why are we here? And if we look at what Genesis has to say about the why, then it seems simple. Genesis 1, verse 26. Why? So that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. Genesis 1, 28. Why? To be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it, rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. The Lord God, the, sorry, two, Genesis two fifteen. the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden. Why? To work it, and take care of it. So we were made to rule over creation, to look after what God has made, to fill the earth, to multiply, to work the earth, to take care of it. Isn't that amazing that God chose us to rule over his creation, to fill it, to work the ground, to subdue it, and to take care of his creation? Isn't it amazing that he entrusted us with that? He could have easily chosen a wildebeest or a lion or a bear, but he chose us. But it does not end there. Our meaning and our purpose and our reason for being here does not end in Genesis. In fact, Genesis by definition, it's only the beginning. Today, we are still called for the same purpose to steward God's creation, to take care of God's creation, to obey God, to rule over the creation, and to take care of it. But we were also made for God's glory. And yeah, I just want to add a, a side note. Um, I couldn't find the book, otherwise I would have loved to share it with you. But there's a, there's a, a book that a teacher from Stellenbosch wrote called First Class or, or Erste Class in Afrikaans. And in this book, he explains the glory of God. And one of the objections against God creating for his own glory and then demanding that glory is, isn't that a little bit... Self-serving, isn't that a little bit arrogant for God to demand glory or to create for his own glory? And a simple example to think of that is, if you take the fastest car in the world, I think the last time I checked it was the Bugatti Veyron fastest car in the world, proven, tested, fastest car in the world. Is it arrogant of them to claim that they are the fastest car in the world? Is it self-serving of them to claim that they are the fastest car in the world? I know it's not a perfect example, but the point is, if it is true that God is the most glorious being in the universe, He is the only one that can demand glory without being uh, what they call a narcissist, without being arrogant or self-serving. Because it is true that God is the most glorious being in the universe, he is the only one that deserves glory and that may demand it. Ephesians 1, verse 3 to 6. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ. In accordance with his pleasure and will, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. So in that scripture we can see that we were created before the foundations of the earth to to be in communion with God, but for his glory and according to his pleasure and his will. Isaiah 43 Verse 5 to 7. Do not be afraid, for I am with you. I will bring your children from the east and gather you from the west. I will say to the north, give them up. And to the south, do not hold them back. Bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the ends of the earth. Everyone who is called by my name, who I created for my glory, whom I formed and made whom I created for my glory. It is clear out of these scriptures that we are created for God's glory. So we are created by God in his image to full, subdue, and care for his creation and to bring glory to his name. Our lives should reflect God's goodness, love, kindness, and compassion Jesus also speaks about this to his disciples of how our lives should reflect God's glory or for God's glory in Matthew 5 verse 14 um, and I think most of us would know this verse you are the light of the world a town built on a hill cannot be hidden neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. The problem, as we will see soon enough as we continue in our our series, as we will see if we read the scriptures, is that we are not very good at bringing glory to God's name out of ourselves. In fact, humans throughout history have done the opposite of bringing glory to his name. And that's not not only people who did not call themselves Christians. Those are also people who, who call themselves Christians. We have not cared for his creation and each other. We lie, we steal, we kill, and do and think many more things that do not bring glory to God's name. We reject our creator, we rebel against him by believing and acting in a way where we say that we actually know better than he does. I remember thinking as a boy, we were always taught in Sunday school of Adam and Eve, and then Adam and Eve, they sinned, and now this is why we are all in this mess today, and this is why we are wearing clothes, and and all of that. And and I remember thinking as a boy, Adam and Eve, you messed it up for all of us. If you had just got it right, then we wouldn't be in this mess today. But as I grew up, and especially as I got to know God, and I think a lot of my sin was revealed to me, I realized that if I was in the same position, we would be in the same position that we are in today. We often think, oh, Adam and Eve, but we would have probably been... um, in the same position today if it was any of us there in that garden it just takes a long hard look at ourselves what we think of how we act to see how far we fall short of God's glory Romans 3.23 I think most of us also know this one for all All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And then Ezekiel 20, verse 8 to 10. But they rebelled against me and would not listen to me. They did not get rid of the vile images they had set their eyes on, nor did they forsake the idols of Egypt. So I said I would pour out my wrath on them and spend my anger against them in Egypt. But for the sake of my name, I brought them out of Egypt. I did it to keep my name from being profane in the eyes of the nations among whom they lived. And in whose sight I had revealed myself to the Israelites. Therefore, I led them out of Egypt and brought them into the wilderness. We are not great at making God's name great, at glorifying His name. He is. In His love and kindness and grace, and for the sake of His great name, in Ezekiel we see Him saying, for the sake of His name, He brought the Israelites out of Egypt. Although they rebelled against Him, although they profaned his name, made his name bad in front of all the nations. For the sake of his name, he brought them out of Egypt. And later on, we know, he sent his son to die for us. His son, Jesus Christ, who lived a life that glorified God, the life we were not able to live. But then, instead of getting rid of us, The part of creation that did not bring glory to God's name. He sacrifices Jesus. The one who did live a life glorifying God's name. Why? So that we may have another opportunity to be in communion with God. And to bring glory to his name. As we were created to do. Through believing in the one he sent. Jesus. He calls us to repent from this life that does not glorify God. And believe in Jesus Christ. I ask the the band to to come up for us as we just. Finishing up. Landing. Titus 3, verse 3 to 5. At one time, we too were foolish, disobedient, deceived, and enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. We lived in malice and envy, being hated and hating one another. But when the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, he saved us not because of righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit. For those of us who consider ourselves Christ followers, may this be a reminder for us that we are here for a reason. We have purpose we are called to care for God's creation and to glorify his name and to make his son known we are not only here to live out a life of 60 to 70 years going to work not that those things are bad but I want, as cross followers, a reminder for us, for me, that there is more than that. I I, I listen a bit to uh, to hip hop music, which often people are very surprised. This Afrikaans guy from Oudtshoorn listening to hip hop music, but there's a guy that I listen to, and he's he's become very successful, and. He plays a clip in one of his songs where he said like this was the the pinnacle of his career he his songs that made platinum not that I know what that means, but successful he he had his, all his tours were, were sold out he had the biggest following he had sold the most albums that he ever had so he, he had he had made it and he just said. If this is it, if this is what it feels like to make it, then I don't know. And I think coming to that point, many of us won't ever reach that point to know that having all that success, money, whatever, fame, whatever it may be, being there, you're still going to feel like, is this it, if we're feeling it today? We have purpose. We have reason. For God's glory... And to make his son known. For those listening in who are not Christ followers, maybe today is the day that you realize you did not just happen. You were not an accident. You were created by a creator who cares for you and has purpose for your life. This might not look like what you think it would look like. But it is better for us, for you, and for his name. So, may I encourage you to come before God today, repent of a life that is not glorifying to God, and believe in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins. Ask Him to show Himself to you, to guide you, and to help you with all the questions. Let me pray for us. Lord Jesus. Yeah, we just thank you for this time together. We thank you that we can uh, learn from your word. I pray, Lord, especially now for for Christ followers. I pray that those of us that are feeling like, is this it? I've given my life to Jesus. Is this it? Is this all there is for me? But I pray that you would guide us as Christ followers. Would you guide us through your Holy Spirit? Would you make opportunities for us to make your name known, to glorify your name, and to make your Son known, to make known to the world what you have done for us. For those of us that are not Christ followers, Lord, I pray that you would reveal yourself to them. I pray that you would answer their questions. I pray that you would Yeah, like like Thomas Lord, help them with their doubts. I pray this in holy name. Amen.